So this is Thirst by Rachel Bunk. Days go by, empty, dry, desolate, listlessly existing. Each day feels repetitive, life-sucking, draining. Even in crowds and noise completely surrounded, my heart is hollow, a void. The cups I reach for no longer satisfy. The well has run dry, the water was black. I've chased lovers and dreams and things, knowledge and passion, a new experience, a new high. Like taps at a bar, a different flavor profile, a passing pleasure only to leave me thirstier still. Yet, it's easier to lift this glass than to lift myself. I am heavy with shame. It is easier to press play than to flee. I am naked and afraid. It's easier to disconnect than to lean into healing, growth, vulnerability. I am alone and lonely. The hands that have touched me, the drinks that took the edge off, the toxic habits of self-soothing that drag me down. I've drank from great depths of emptiness. Now great emptiness is within me. This is the solace and embrace of an empty well. Momentary pleasure that leaves me drier, emptier, thirstier than before. False intimacy that promises acceptance yet separates my body and soul, my mind and heart. How did I get here? Naked and ashamed, I come to the well. Put your hands together and welcome Pastor Bodie as he comes. Thank you, Cody. Well, good morning, City Church. <laughs> I, I said this to first service. Uh, it sounds like we're going to do a lot of that. I said this to first service, um, but man, a response. That's amazing. Uh, we've waited so long for you to respond, uh, you know, back to us. Uh, let us know that you're here, that you are awake. Uh, it's quite uh, refreshing to our souls. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife took off out of town for the majority of the week. She was going to an art of teaching conference with a couple of other people, a couple of other ladies um, here at the church. Um, they had a great time. It was a great trip. But as I was dropping my wife off on a Monday morning at like 630 um, to say our goodbyes for the week, um, I, I figured it would just be like a quick hug, kiss, love you, goodbye. Yeah, we kiss. We're married. It's fine. Um, but uh, figured it would just be like a quick love you. I got to get back to the kids. But my wife being the like rule um, instator in our home, the one that that sets the parameters with which we live by, um, was like very rule-oriented on this particular mo morning. And she says to me, hey, real quick, before I get out of the car, uh, can we go over the rules for the week one more time. And I was like, absolutely, babe, let's, let's go over the rule. And it was a simple, short list, two things, because if you give me three things, then chances are none of them will get done. But if you give me one or two, I might be able uh, to manage that, right? And so uh, she was like, rule number one, Micah has to get to bed on time. Now, Micah is my youngest, he's seven years old. And Micah, if he gets one minute less of sleep 
at, in a night, then he is just a terror. Um, he's a disaster. Teachers dislike us when we send him to school, tired and all the things. And so Rachel was like, for the sake of the teachers, please make sure that Micah gets to bed all the time. Sweet, babe, got it, no problem. And then the next rule was this, also no eating out. Like we've got plenty of food, I've gone grocery shopping, I've got the list prepared, you know what you need to make, no eating out. So here's the deal about me, my wife knows that uh, and my kids know that in the family I'm the pushover. Um, of the family. And so if mom isn't in, isn't in the vicinity, the kids know that the majority of the time they can go, hey, dad, let's go grab a, a bite to eat. And I'm like, yeah, sweet, let's do it. You know, like I, I'm here to live it with you. You know, like, like let's, let's soak in the moments. I don't care if it costs a fortune. Let's do it. I do care at the end of the week. But, um, uh, but anyway, so she tells me, make sure that you guys eat at home. I've prepped the meals. It's ready for you. And so we say our goodbyes and I leave to go wake my children up to go to school um, on a Monday morning. And I, I wake them up, get them dressed. Well, the big ones got themselves dressed, got Micah dressed, uh, set them all on the couch. And I said, here's the thing, guys. Mom has given us two rules and we must abide by these two rules. First rule is this, Micah. And I point at him, I'm like, bro, you gotta go to bed on time every night, okay? And okay, dad, um, knowing that that was never going to happen. Um, but, uh, but then I look at the girls and I was like, hey, you, you two, you're plenty old enough to help me out in this. And so mom has prepared all of the meals um, for us. Like we know what we're going to cook. And so we are not eating out. Don't even ask me. Don't ask me. It's not going to happen, okay? We are going to cook food here at the house. Um, here's the thing. Rachel and I have been preparing meals for our family for like basically forever. She does the majority of the heavy lifting, all of the cooking, all the stuff, but I am right there with her. I'm like, man, what do you need me to chop, cut, clean, you name it, I got you. I am like, like a good apprentice. And I thought in this moment that in all of my years of apprenticeship that this was my shot to prove that if my family is hungry, I can feed them. Now, what happened to my kitchen over the next two days is quite literally astonishing, okay? Um, first night, we go to cook a meal. I think I was making chili, and um, I managed to just completely scorch the pot that I was cooking the chili in. And this led into a series of moments where I'm not lying to you, church, because I'm standing up here and I can't. I burnt scorched and ruined every single pot, pan, and skillet that we had in the house in the course of two days, okay? Some of them, I'm like, I didn't even use that and it's ruined. It, it was uncanny. I can't explain it. I don't know what happened. And, and my only saving grace, I was like, we're going to have to like go to ramen. Like this is, this is where we're at. But we had pizza on Wednesday night so at youth. So I was able to feed my family that way on, on Wednesday, or I wouldn't have had any uh, cookware to, to prepare a meal for them with. Um, and so it was nuts. It was wild. I destroyed it all. Um, and then Thursday rolls around. Thursday, we definitely ate out. Um, like I, like so broke all the rules. Micah stayed up. We ate out. Like it was a disaster. Um, Thursday rolls around. Rachel is going to get home at about six, 
And so I come back to the drop-off spot, which is now turned into the pickup spot. And Rachel, now mind you, this is the woman that nearly 20 years ago stood in front of a lot of witnesses and looked me in the eye and said, for better or worse, right? Um, and so we get in the car and I'm, I'm a little sheepish, like our trash can is full of our entire kitchen. And um, I'm like, I'm gonna have to take her home to this. I'm going to have to confess my sins here, right? And so we get in the car, hey, babe, loved you, missed you, kids missed you. Um, also, just want to let you know, I made sure to leave the kids at home. Also, just want to let you know that somehow your children destroyed your kitchenware. <laughs> I'm not certain how it happened. Um, I, I thought I had a pretty good eye on them. No, I actually didn't say that. I, I confessed to, to, to my crimes and let her know. Uh, she was slightly disappointed in only one pot. So, I mean, re really the rest of it's been replaced. It's amazing. I love it. You can't like burn stuff to it. It like just slides right off. I love it. Uh, but here's the deal. I, I learned something about myself um, just a few weeks ago, and it's this, that I am a really good co-laborer when it comes to providing uh, need for my family, especially when it comes to the food that we eat alone. I am at best a liability, and at worst, a genuine detriment to myself, my kids, my house, my dog, and my neighbors. Um, <laughs> Like, like, yeah, I, I just am. Uh, and we're going to come back to this story here <laughs> in just a minute. But we're in our final weeks of this series, Streams in the Desert, um, and it's been a phenomenal series. I, I, I think I can speak for all of us in the room that, that have been here for at least a handful of these messages and these talks that um, this has been a really great series. And I'm not going to do a callback to all of the, the talking points and the high notes of each, me each message, but instead, I would just encourage you to go back and listen. The beautiful thing about a series like this is that it can meet us in any season of life that we find ourselves in. We all find ourselves walking through the mundane of life. We all find ourselves in moments of sorrow. And so, so th this series is a, a genuinely deep well that we can continue to come back to. But I will say that I find it really, really interesting that we bookended this series with two of our greatest physical needs. Um, Pastor Matt in week one of this series kicked us off talking about thirst. He was at, with the woman at the well. And, um, and today we are gonna end with talking about hunger, thirst and hunger. We all know the statistics, right? Three to seven days without water, three weeks without food. In fact, survivor, survivalists and wilderness guides often refer to the rule of three, three minutes without oxygen, three days without water, and three weeks without food. We know as people, as humans, that we need a, a handful of things, just basic things to survive this life, right? We need air, we need water, we need food, we need shelter. We need all of these things to survive in this life. And, um, and the thing about a series like this is that as we um, try to compare the, the spiritual with the physical, a lot of times it gets kind of difficult, especially within our context. And I'm not, I'm gonna make some statements and it's not a, a t it's gonna be a blanket statement, but it may not be true for each and every person in this room. But the vast majority of us um, don't know what it means or what it feels like to go without for very long. The vast majority of us in this room 
um, don't really understand what that looks like, right? We have air. You could argue as to the quality, whether it's good or bad, but we have it. We have water. And again, you could argue as to whether um, it's good or bad. There, there is space for us to find food if we need food and we can find shelter. Um, and if we can't, then living in the culture with which we live in, then there is somebody there and ready to help with those needs, right? Um, and if you're in this room today and you struggle in any of those areas, then man, come find me. I'm, I'm ready to help, right? Um, there is somebody that is ready to meet those needs or at least help us to meet the physical needs that we have. And so um, when we're trying to compare this physical and spiritual, um, sometimes there can be a bit of a miss because, man, I don't know what it really means to, to lack. I have an older daughter. She's uh, uh, just fastly approaching 17 years old. And um, this, this girl... Um, I would say she's the sweetest. She is very pragmatic. Uh, <laughs> she can be sweet, uh, but she also knows what she wants. And she could eat a breakfast at 8.30 a.m., full breakfast, bacon, eggs, toast, you name it, just like a, a full meal. And by noon, this girl is already hangry, right? And when she gets to this place of hangry, what are the words that she says to myself or her mother? In a, in, in a screech like a banshee and with tears in her eyes, what does she yell? I'm starving, right? The girl's never starved a second in her life. But we all have a way of communicating the fact that, hey, I'm hungry. And just as importantly, we all know that um, if I am hungry, if I need something to fill me, then I'm going to fill me. It's so interesting to me that we will, as a human race, um, if the physical is in need or if it's lacking, we will do whatever it takes to, to satisfy that, 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 that mm inside of us, that, that growling and that, that hunger inside of us. We will do whatever it takes. We will go get a burger if we need a burger, right? Um, and according to my wife, we'll go home and make a burger. Um, but, but either way, we will find a way to fill that void that is inside of us. But often, we completely disregard the emptiness, the longing inside of us spiritually. We will do whatever it takes to feed the physical man, but too often we starve the spiritual man inside of us. And the question is, is why do we do this? Why are we so willing and so um, apt to, when the physical is in need, we rush to its aid to fill it with whatever we can to nourish us. But when we find ourselves lacking in the spiritual sense, why is it that we put that off and we put that off and we put it off and we just continue to put it off? There's a, a number of reasons for this. I mean, if you look around the world that we occupy today, man, there is just so much grabbing at our attention at all times. There is never a dull moment for you as the human race and the generation that you are. We see more in this world than any other generation before us. You open the phone, you get the news, you see the, the latest disaster, the latest war, the latest um, frustrations within politics. We get to see all of these things so often and it leaves us going, hey man, like where is the time? 
My life, every moment of my life is full or filled with something. And so where is the time to actually stop and take stock of what's actually happening on the inside? And so in a way, we have an out kind of to why we let the spiritual lack inside of us sometimes. Everything is out for our attention. But I think today, if I could, just for a moment, I want to talk to you about two things that I know I've identified at least in my life and those that I walk closely with um, that, that um, cause us or lead us to this not satisfying the void in the spiritual man. And the first is this, man, we lack trust. We lack trust. Too many of us have given in to the lie that God isn't for us, that there is something off within the structure of creator and created. We have believed oftentimes unknowingly this age-old lie that the one who created us is withholding something better. There is a question asked early in scripture that I think far too many of us have entertained. I want to take you guys to Genesis chapter 3, and we're just going to read verse 1 right quick. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God really say? Like, did he really say that? Like, if we don't know the story here, then this could be an innocent question, an honest question even. How many of us have been in a space and we've heard a thing said and like, we need clarification on that. Like, hey, could you one more time real quickly explain to me what you just said, right? So if we don't know the story here, then man, this serpent, he might just be like, I don't wanna do anything wrong. So did God actually say this? But the beauty is that we do know the story of God and we have it all right here. And so this isn't a clarifying question. This is an accusatory statement, really. He looks at Eve and he said, did God actually say to you that you cannot have, that you cannot eat of the trees in the garden? Like you can't eat this fruit? It's an accusatory statement. The heart of this question is accusatory in nature. Did God really create something so great and then withhold it from you? There must be deeper motive, yet this is the furthest thing from the heart of God. Like, I want us to see that this morning. Because oftentimes we let doubt slip in as to the goodness of God. Is he really trustworthy or is he withholding good things from us? But this is as far from the heart of God as we could possibly get. Our God is not one who wants to withhold from us good things. If we go to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to a group of people, and in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, some of you, most of you have heard these words, but Jesus gives us a full glimpse of what, it lo- what the heart of God actually looks like. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if, you're, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? When you listen to that, when you hear that, does that sound like a God who wants to withhold? Does that sound like a God who wants to withhold good things from us? Absolutely not. It's the opposite of that. He wants to give us good things. I may mention earlier how much of a disaster I am in the kitchen, right? I I mentioned that, and that at best, I am a really good co-laborer in feeding my family. Um, But here's what I know. I spent the weekend or yesterday at home with Micah all by myself. Me and my, my wife and my two beautiful daughters, they had gone to a baby shower. And so Micah and I were home alone. And around lunchtime, Micah come running to dad. Dad, I'm hungry. What did I say to him? Nah, man, go fend for yourself. Figure it out. Like, like you know where the refrigerator is. Um, you probably can cook better than me. I burnt stuff a couple of weeks ago, remember? Um, no, I didn't say that. I grabbed my son and was like, yeah, bro, let's go make you some chicken nuggets, man. Let's do this. I'll make you a corn dog. What do you want? I got you. A few hours later, as I'm watching football and Micah comes running into the room, he's like, daddy, let's go outside and play. I didn't push him to the side and say, no, I got better things to do. No, I went outside and I played with my son. Now, here's the thing. Jesus would say uh, to me that um, he would at least insinuate that I'm an evil person. If he didn't flat out just call me evil, he would say, if Bodhi then, who is evil, knows how to feed his son chicken nuggets, corn dogs, and go out into the yard and play with him, how much more, how much better is God? If Bodhi is evil, and I, I, but God is so much better. He is a good father and he does not want to withhold and he will not withhold good things from us. He is trustworthy. Why do we find ourselves not filling the void in our lives spiritually? Sometimes we just lack trust. We don't know if he's worthy of our trust. And I'm telling you today that he is. The creator God who holds all things together, care so deeply about you, so deeply about me, so deeply about us, that he is unwilling to withhold good things from his children. The second thing that I I kind of want to just settle in on today is just that, we settle. Why do we lack? Why do we choose not to, you know, feel this inner longing that we have, we settle. Um, 22 years ago, uh, real quick story, just going to fill you in now. It's not that quick. Um, 22 years ago, um, I was 19 years old. I was uh, recently graduated out of high school, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, um, was a junior in high school, and she was playing basketball, and I wanted to get to her basketball game. It was a uh, Tuesday night, and so, um, like, we're almost, like, like at my 22-year anniversary of this day, like, tomorrow, I think, will be it, and... um, 
I was wanting to get to her basketball game, and so I hopped in my big truck, because I drove a really big truck. I'm from the country, and we like our, our vehicles big so we can drive through mud and all the things, you know. Um, and so really massive truck, huge truck. I jumped in it, and I stopped at a convenience store to grab a, a quick snack on my way. Didn't want to be late, so um, grabbed a hot dog at a convenience store. I was driving down the road and um, eating the hot dog, and then all of a sudden I started choking on this hot dog. And how many of you have ever choked on something before? Like, yeah, okay. We got a couple of hands that went up. Yes, absolutely. It's terrifying, isn't it? Like, nobody likes to choke. As soon as you start choking, nothing else matters except for I need to dislodge whatever is happening right here, right? And so I started choking on this hot dog. I was driving this truck probably a little bit faster than I should have been, and I was taking a curve, and I had no care for any other vehicle on the road, no care for my physical safety other than get this hot dog out my throat. And so finally, weaving, bobbing, you know, like gagging, I finally get pulled over to the side of the road and was able to get this hot dog up. Uh, and I didn't think anything else about it. Like, whew, man, that was, that was a close call. And I drove to the basketball game. And over the course of the next few days, I noticed that every meal I would eat started to become uh, just a little bit more difficult to swallow. And then after about a week and a half or so, two weeks, it got to a point that I physically could not swallow anything. I would try to eat and try to eat and try to eat, and it just felt like this right here was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger until the point where I would have to go um, regurgitate it. TMI, I know, but there's a point to all of this. And so for the next 19 years, that's how I would live my life. I would be so embarrassed when I would sit down to have a meal with somebody, um, like family or friends, because of the work that it took to get even like a third of every meal that I ate down, um, that I would almost just as soon not eat most days. Um, it would, the, the pain would be real, like cramps and um, severe heartburn, you just name it. Just a lot of just really bad stuff went along with this. Um, I had gone to a doctor early on. He scoped me. They didn't find anything wrong. So I thought, well, this must just be my lot in life, um, that I am going to be stuck walking this earth, unable to eat ever again, always wanting something, but never being able to actually um, feel that, that longing, right? Um, just hungry. I had settled. It wasn't until I uh, joined the staff here at City Church and, you know, just told Matt and the rest of the team what was going on with me physically that they were like, that's stupid, dude. We got to get you fixed, you know? And so um, after a couple of years of coercion, they finally convinced me to go have a surgery done. I found out that I had a rare disease, disease called achalasia, and it just causes the esophagus to, to die and squeeze shut. And, and so um, after a, a couple, uh, one unsuccessful surgery and then one successful surgery, just like a little over a year ago, I can tell you that I can now swallow, I can now eat, um, as you can tell by the weight I've put on if you've known me for very long. But my point behind this is that I settled for so long thinking that this is the lot I have in life, Right? And so if I was going to take a moment now just to say, if you are in a place spiritually where you think this is your lot in life, that this is as good as it's ever going to get, can I tell you, don't settle. Don't settle for that. There's so much more. But oftentimes we settle because 
we want God to do things um, in our time frame, right? Like, like, I want to be like closer to you, God, but like this is taking longer than I thought it would, so I'm going to attempt to get to it by some other means. Maybe I'm going to try to find contentment in you in a relationship with somebody else. Maybe I'm gonna try to find closeness with you in just fill in the blank. But what I've learned over many, many years of walking with Jesus is that oftentimes this closeness, this depth of relationship that we truly long for comes with a lot of time in close proximity. Again, I said on my own just a a bit ago, on my own, I am a, a liability to my family and trying to meet their needs. If I co-labor with the wife, then meals turn out great. And God invites us into this relationship and says, take some steps toward me and I'm gonna meet you where you're at. We co-labor in this relationship, in this depth. I wanna go back to Genesis three for a moment. It says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. You see it, right? Like they settled. Adam and Eve, they settled. I've heard really smart people say they went about a right thing the wrong way. You see, Adam and Eve, they had forever in the presence of God, forever to walk with him, learn from him, be with him, grow deeper in their relationship and their trust with him. But they wanted it right now. Oh, I see the fruit, man, and it's desirable. It's good and it'll make me wise. That means I'll be like God. Let's eat it. So often we settle and we try to take something or try to make a thing happen on our own. And God's like, no, let's let's do this together. Let's be in this thing together. Often our desire is to have that deep connection to God, a deep knowing that I am his, he is mine. But if we settle on alternate means of true communion, true connection, we miss what God really has for us. Adam and Eve settled. We don't have to settle. He says, let's do this together. Let's live out this life together. Let's walk it out together. And the longer we do that, the deeper, the closer, the more intimate we'll be. 
I want to leave you with this this morning. There's been a stirring, if you will, in this place over the last several weeks. I've seen it. We as a team have seen it, like seen this deep hunger for more of God, this longing for deeper communion. We've witnessed it on midweeks. We saw it in our worship service. I applauded you guys because uh, when I said, good morning, City Church, you good morning me back. Those things matter. It shows that there's an attentiveness. And so at the end of the day, as we wrap up this series, I feel like all the words have been said that need to be said. God is speaking to our hearts, right? He's speaking to our hearts and our minds and our lives, and he's drawing us. And so really what's left at the end of the day is it's an opportunity for us to respond. Respond to that calling, that beckoning that God is calling us toward. One last passage of scripture. The psalmist penned this, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those who seek him lack no good thing. City Church, would you bow your heads with me this morning? I wanna say to you today that he is trustworthy. You don't have to believe the lie that would say that your heavenly father is withholding. You don't have to give in to your desires and settle. It really isn't difficult. You you want more of him, ask him, seek him. He'll deliver. Our God withholds no good thing from his children. Father, I lift up us as a community, as a family to you today. God, we thank you for this series that we've had, the streams in the desert. God, we thank you that throughout this series that you have been calling us to deeper intimacy with you. Father, I wanna pray for any individual in this room today that, that feels like there is a lack within them spiritually. Like that spiritual man is malnourished. God, would you meet them at the point of their need? Holy Spirit, would you open up our eyes and our minds to see that we have a good father who withholds no good thing from those who are seeking after him. God, would you give us patience to uh, work within your timeline because it is the best timeline. God, would there be a deep knowing that we can trust you in all things, that you are so trustworthy. Holy Spirit, help us to realize this. Help us to remember this as we navigate this world that we live in that's vying for all of our attention and all of our time and all of our emotion. 
remind us each and every day that our God is good and that he is for us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. City Church, would you stand with me this morning? And I would invite you to just take a few minutes, a few seconds to prepare your hearts as we go to the table together.